Because if there was no money to be made on video games, would video games exist? If you couldn't make money, if companies couldn't make money from that, would they exist in the same way? No. No, uh, no, no. Would they exist? I think so. But it'd be super limited. Yes. And they'd be less mainstream. Yes. And thus more artistic. Wow. Welcome back to Digitally Distracted. I am Game Dave. I'm Gerald. And today we're going to be talking about uh, a question, really. Just a simple question, Gerald. Are video games art? Are video games art, Gerald? That's a good question. So you don't have a definitive, a declarative yes or no on that? I would immediately say yes, just to start out. But this all sort of comes from a topic that we thought about in the past before, but also from a comment on the YouTube posting of mm-hmm. the video version of the show. In case you forgot, we are also available mm. in audio format, in a podcast format. Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, all the basic platforms are out there. I had some people ask me uh, at the Retro World Expo that I attended, you know, is, is there going to be an audio version? It's like, yes, there is an audio <laughs> version. It's been out for a while. Yeah. Make sure you check that out. This comes from Social Lizard Hmm. on YouTube. I think you could separate art and fine art. So this Ah, is something that we could kind of talk about as we get into it. That resonates with me. Yes. Google's fine art definition being creative art, especially visual art, whose products are to be appreciated primarily or solely for their imaginative, aesthetic, or intellectual content. Mm -hmm. Social Lizard's really given us a lot of information to start with. Like pop subgenres of music or film are usually explicitly created for the money. That's something I wanted to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. They can generate more than as a tool for people to express themselves. They rarely, if ever, challenge the boundaries for the genre because that's not what they're there for. I'm not saying it's wrong for people to enjoy it or that art has to be uh, that to be worth experiencing. But I'm sure there has to be a worthwhile way to discuss the merits of both sides of that argument because I really do think there are... That they're there. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, lot of talking, a lot of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Art can be what my cat makes in her little, little, little litter box. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's such a vague term for many people, but fine art generally requires a serious degree of skill mm-hmm. involved, and some games are definitely that. So as a blanket statement to say that games as a whole are an art form, Yes, like with music and film, mm-hmm. but like music and film, most games don't really fit in with ideas of fine art. So maybe it's an issue of semantics in regards to that argument with my old roommate, the one that I referenced on the show where he and I uh, it got a bit heated. I don't speak to the boy anymore. <laughs> if he says classical music is art, maybe he slash she meant fine art since it usually requires a much higher level of skill involved than, say, some three-chord pop song. I obviously am just making assumptions here but it kind of makes sense no that's true and i think when someone asks like is this art i think most people automatically put the word fine in front of that in their minds you mm-hmm. know so it's, it's really someone's asking is this fine art 
I don't I'm I don't really think that for example, when you just asked me that right now, yeah. that's what my brain automatically did. That's why I kind of sort of paused. Mm -hmm. You know, clearly it's art um in so much as, you know, uh, film and music is art. Yes, absolutely. Is it fine art? Some some are, but not all of it, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I rarely think of the term fine art mm -hmm. in my daily life ever. Right. Even if I'm looking at what would be considered a piece of fine art, mm -hmm. I just like, oh, that's art, very artistic. Right, yeah. Because I sort of interchange the terms art and a creative work. Right. So I'm like, oh, art is any creative work. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But if we're going we're gonna to focus on games to start out. Right. Um, this is the term I was kind of thinking of before we got into it here. Uh, knowing that we were going to talk about video games as art and really what <laughs> what is art mm -hmm. and where that line is drawn, if it needs to be drawn at all. Mm -hmm. Was that a pun? <laughs> I, <laughs> unintentional, <laughs> but I'm glad you caught it. That'll make for good uh, good uh, clips, good clip there. I was thinking of this in a term. So we a lot of times when you think about love, mm -hmm. we're going to get deep. When you think about love... <laughs> we're going to get to the heart <laughs> of the matter. People like to... Yes, we are. <laughs> They think about, uh, or people mention, uh, love and then unconditional love. Mm. So this sort of goes back with the idea of uh, financial gain from our lovely commenter, the, the social lizard. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, what about the comparison of unconditional art versus mm. art for financial gain? So to me, unconditional art... Right would be the truest, the most pure art, because there is no condition with why you're creating it. You're creating it because you're inspired or something within you wants to make it. There's no condition. It's not, well, if I make this, a lot of people are going to look at it, or a lot of people are going to watch it, or a lot of people are going to pay me money for it, mm -hmm. or it's going to make me famous. Mm -hmm. Unconditional art, I think, is probably what people would... See, but I think fine art... Fine art can be conditional, too, because mm -hmm. there's art that is considered fine art that made money mm -hmm. and wasn't just somebody. I don't know. It's it's hard to think of uh, an unperverted art form. Absolutely. Uh, it's I think it's super rare mm -hmm. to see that. And with video games, whew, I mean, most video games were made to be sold. Oh, absolutely. I mean, is, there's really not... Even even free-to-play games mm -hmm. are not right? really free. Right. Unless you go back to the uh, the days of the early, early um, invention of video games where it was like college campuses and, and science places where they were, they were just manipulating oscilloscopes and things like that to create a video, a and digital I, game. I honestly think there, there still may be um, games like that, special mo especially mobile games. Um, where you might have some students on a campus wanting to create a game mm -hmm. just just to do it or because, you know, they want to, and they're not really looking for any kind of financial game or a gain or to get, you know, famous. Um, are you sure? Because I feel like some of those uh, college uh, yeah, kids are no, like, no, no. we're going to make Some the of them, yes. Game. Some of them, yes, but not all of them. Okay, so you, so you do think there's still, <laughs> there's still pure souls out there that are creating... They might create a game in college just because they want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fair. It's hard to imagine, but I could see that. Mm -hmm. I uh, One instance that came to my mind when it came to game creation, I mean, this 
is most people will probably not count this. So there's a series out there called RPG Maker. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. And it, there's been many, many, many games in the series. I had the PlayStation 1 RPG Maker. That was my first experience with it. And I did dabble in the PC versions mm. where you could use assets and sound effects and and code to create your own story and RPG and mm-hmm. share it with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think most people created games in RPG Maker to sell because, I mean... How could you? Really? Right, 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 right. And then, I mean, I think there's a new version that just came out of RPG Maker recently. Um, so that that feels pure because I remember doing that, and it was strictly because I wanted to make an RPG. Right. And I don't even think I even had my friends play it. I never shared it with them. Yep. I think I just made it, and then I was like, "Oh, I made a game mm-hmm. just for me." <laughs> So that is the purest form of <laughs> fine art I've ever created. Uh, and you can kind of connect that with, you know, YouTube, I think. When YouTube came around as a platform, there were people who were just uploading videos just to upload videos. Mm-hmm. And I think there were more people in the early days of the YouTube atmosphere that were putting things out there, not because they thought it would get a lot of viewership, because YouTube wasn't a big deal in the beginning. Right. And it was, it felt more like art. Um, I feel like it was easier to find art. Uh, artistic video creations on YouTube back then. Mm-hmm. In my own sort of life, I was creating videos and films and short films and and animations and stop motions that were not being shared on the internet. And then when YouTube showed up, I was like, oh, I can just post this here. It'd be a nice way for, uh, you know, if someone wanted to see it, but just for me so I can have it out there digitized and archived in a way, mm-hmm. which is when I started my first YouTube account long ago. I mean, that's what I, I had this video I made in high school and I posted it, this animation, posted it on YouTube, made an account, posted it. It was my first video I ever posted. Mm-hmm. And it was a Lego animation, stop motion. But uh, I wasn't sitting there in the summer, you know, animating Legos because I was like, ah, I'm going to sell this right. or I'm going to get ad revenue because yep. it didn't exist on YouTube or I'm going to get all the views because there wasn't even YouTube when, when I was in high school. Right. Uh, unconditional art, I think, is, is super rare. And uh, now you, I think, have a different perspective when it comes to art because i would say that you would have considered yourself or still consider yourself a more traditional artist yeah would you say I would because agree with you that. have and have had an interest in the more physical art world mm-hmm. in the sense of painting mm-hmm. and um you know i guess sculpture as well a mm-hmm. little bit yep. yep um do you want to talk about that gerald a little bit you um, share a little bit of your artistic prowess, <laughs> things that you dabbled in, because I know a little bit about it. Just a little bit. But I'll let you reveal what you feel I like mean, revealing when it comes to art. It's just it's just uh, a hobby, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I haven't had any sort of... Uh, training? Training. So it's just sort of um, just kind of ways of, you know, to express yourself and whatnot that are... Again, you're not... I'm not there to make money. I'm not there to you know, get famous for these things, but I am, you know, like you mentioned before, you have that, that desire to create, you know, that almost compulsion to create, you know, right. Like I dabble in music, right. Um, you know, some of the themes on the channel, like the, the main game day theme and, and, uh, some other themes like digitally distracted. Mm-hmm. I co-wrote, uh, with a friend, friend of the show, Kevin, Kevin Hoover, um, uh, he and I worked on music together and, you know, I've always been interested in music creation going all the way back to, Fruity Loops, mm. back when it was actually called Fruity Loops, before it was FL Studio. Uh, in high school, I dabbled and, and sequenced electronic music and things like that. I, you know, 
I play keyboard okay. Mm-hmm. Took uh, organ lessons. Mm-hmm. There was nobody available for piano lessons, so I took organ lessons. That's how that works. True nerd. I'm taking the organ lessons. Um, and, you know, music is always something that I'd like to do completely just in my free time. I've never really... Uh, I've probably composed, like, 50 tracks, and none of those are, like, publicly available. Mm-hmm. I've never, like, posted them on the internet or, mm-hmm. like, burned a CD for somebody. It's just music I made and then moved on. Yeah, I hear you. It's just nothing I really shared. So that was strictly in the hobby aspect. Um, what would you say is, is the, your favorite thing that you created that was artistic, that you would say? Because the... You not you don't really create video content, right? Um, unless I pull you in and, and force right. you to help me, right? So what what can you think of that was like one of your favorite pieces of art that you've made that wasn't for like gain? Um, probably my marionettes. Yes, that's what I was getting to. I yeah. don't know if you wanted to pop that <laughs> out, but Gerald, uh, early on in our relationship when we first sort of met, uh, came to your apartment. Yep. I think I saw you had a couple hanging up. I was like, oh, you have marionettes. Like, oh, actually, I made those. I'm like, oh. All right. <laughs> Gerald makes marionettes. Very cool. How many do you think you've made? Um, I've only made two. I've I've okay. wanted to make more, but um, you know, the the inspiration kind of ebbs and flows, you know how that goes. And uh I just moved on to other projects. So So what <laughs> let's get off topic just because it's it is so unique. It's not every day you run into somebody who has created marionettes for no reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like It's not like you're like, ah, oh, I got to get these marionettes made for this this show I'm doing at the library uh-huh. for the kids. <laughs> no, you just you made some marionettes. Right. So what, what inspired that? Why were you like, you know, I'm going to make some marionettes. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think I wanted to um, incorporate a number of skills. So there was like some sculpting. Mm-hmm. There was some sewing. There was um, just figuring out the mechanics of that, you yeah. know, because um, they're functional. Um, and that's pretty cool. There was some painting. So it just sort of was a collaboration of, I guess, a bunch of my interests, um, to sort of make one piece. Yeah. You know? So I hadn't really thought of it in that way, actually, Dave. So, um, yeah, like I didn't realize that that's sort of what I was Mm -hmm. doing. See, I, I had an interest in like puppetry for Mm -hmm. a while. I was kind of like tried making some puppets back in the day but that mm-hmm. was like what am, what am i doing i gotta mm-hmm. i gotta focus my time on other things and that's what kind of sucks when you're trying to maintain some sort of artistic art form outside of like your main job mm-hmm. um, which sort of the the video content and stuff that i produce is that outlet that creative outlet though it can also be something for gain because you know people watch the show and support the shows and the videos that i make but I still try to mix things up and try new things and, and try to be creative and not just get stuck in like, oh, I got to do this because this will get the views. Right, right, right. You know, make it something I actually want to do and want to talk about. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially on the Internet. It's easy to, you know, mm-hmm. fall down that hole. Yeah, especially even if you have like, say you have a Facebook page and you just post uh, drawings, mm-hmm. you know, digital drawings that you create or illustrations and you post those on your Facebook I think even though you're doing it for yourself, there's something inside all of us where it's like, wow, this got 20 likes. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, you're very small, like, oh, I got that, I got 40 likes. And then you put your next one out and two people like it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, does this, did my art suck? Right. Because only two people liked it? Yep. Does it somehow diminish? And that's that weird thing of 
yeah, 40 people like this one, but maybe they're like, oh, that's pretty good. Uh -huh. But the two people that like this one were like, this is the most amazing thing I've wow. ever seen. So it's that thing of like the value Ooh. of each person's involvement because, you know, having a small fan base that's super dedicated mm -hmm. compared to having a million people that follow your work mm -hmm. and they're all like, yeah, his stuff's all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I follow him. Mm -hmm. But then you have like just a thousand people that are like, this is my favorite thing. Right, right, right. I feel like I would rather have that. Yeah, you know, no, I agree with that. Like the people that are so dedicated, they get it. That are in there, they're on your your artistic journey with. Yeah, them. right, 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 right. Yeah. What are we talking about? Games. <laughs> <laughs> so, so video games. I think there are people. I think the business structure of gaming gets tricky, just like with movies, mm. where you have uh, the people who want to tell their stories or they want to develop their game stories or whatever and make those interactive experience for people. And then you have the companies that have to help those artistic minds make their thing possible. Right. And to make their thing possible, there has to be money. Right. And you can create a game on your own without outside influence, but it's very difficult mm -hmm. and it's very unlikely that you're going to get it out in front of people. Right. It, probably more likely now... And and that you even have a chance to collaborate with people because not you know some some people are of that mindset where it's you know like this is I'm doing art for art's sake, mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of people out there that you know they have bills to pay and yeah you can't fault them for that. That's true. That's true. I uh, think about a street artist mm -hmm. who does caricatures. Right. You know I don't you know they probably don't think. Um, I can't wait to get to on the street today. And do these caricatures? I don't know. They but might. Maybe they might. You think so? Yeah. I always wonder that. Like, like, all right, I gotta get, I gotta get forty caricatures done to make this day worth. Well, and that's my time. yeah. That's just it. Is is I can see it going both ways. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. If it's your if it's your job, then I think you do. Are you are looking at it sort of like I need to get forty mm -hmm. pieces done in order to either make this worth my while or to pay off this bill or whatever. Yeah. Versus if you're like, I'm just going to go, and if I make some money, great, and if I don't, you know, whatever. And that's, see, I will say that I, I mean, I complain about my job sometimes, mm -hmm. and that I'd love to be doing this stuff full-time as my job, but mm -hmm. then there's also that fear that creeps up of if and when mm -hmm. I ever get to that point where this can be my 100% full-time focus, right? would I have that issue where, okay, so... I want to make these videos. These are videos I want to make, but I have to support my family mm -hmm. and get through the month yep. and pay my bills. What do you do? It's like that weird thing of it becomes it becomes work. Right. I mean, this is a lot of work. It is. To create this stuff, but there's a there's a drive behind it, mm -hmm. and my fear is always that when I if and when I get to quit my full-time job, that will I lose that passion because it's something I now have to do? Because that's the thing. Technically, I could just stop and financially right. and, you know, my world outside of the Internet will not change. Right. Technically, technically. I mean, it would because I, I know in my mind and in my soul, I would be like, oh, I miss that interaction. I miss being creative. I miss performing and entertaining people and creating things so yeah there'd be a black spot in my heart but <laughs> from the outside perspective uh, you know my life would go on right and, uh, it would be fine mm -hmm. 
it would just suck a little bit. Right. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. But I fear, yeah, I get rid of that full-time job and then go the other way with it. Would I bastardize this, my creation, my creativity, my my love of what I like to do? I think that's every artist's fear. You know, once once they're able to either make a living doing it or Mm -hmm. um, if they somehow join forces with some sort of corporate entity to get their art out there more Mm -hmm. and that's there's that fear like is this am i not gonna have rules on what i can create and what's marketable and what's oh my gosh yeah and it's also interesting to think that going back to the fine art versus art conversation it's i feel like it's very difficult now to get and this is no attack on younger people but i think this is accurate as I might even be the same way. I think it'd be a lot harder to get someone to, or to get a lot of ears listening to Tchaikovsky mm-hmm. compared to the latest mainstream music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that thing. But even when we were growing up, it was the same thing. Like, oh, that's my right. parents' old fifties music. But see, even us, we were like kind of into our parents' music. Right. Where. You, I mean, how <laughs> it'd be interesting to see when that transition happened, where you had a family where the the parents were listening to classical music, mm-hmm. and the kids were listening to the new rock music, mm-hmm. new old us, right? And it's like, oh, my dad wants me to listen to Bach again, right? <laughs> you know, I just want to listen to Elvis, right? You know, that's obviously a, a much larger gap. But it's funny thing. I think even my parents didn't listen to classical music. I mean, my mom. Game Joyce, she wasn't like sitting around like, oh man, I can't wait to put on this uh, this track by Wagner. Right, right. Man, I can't wait to get the Wagner record on. Just jam out. <laughs> My mom probably doesn't even know about those artists. Right, you know. Right, right. And uh, I don't know. Like that's that's that thing of does fine art have to be popular to be fine art? I mean, obviously, classical music isn't was insanely and is considered insanely popular and and cemented in the culture uh-huh. and cultures outside of you know the U.S. So what, like popularity in art? Does art get less artistic if it's more popular? Hmm. I always think about that too, where it's like, oh, you don't understand. Only a, it's a cult film. Right. Only some people get it, which makes it more artistic right. because most people don't like it. Like that's boring. Black and white movies, ugh. So, like, less people like those films is nowadays compared to back then. Because back then, that's all there was. Sure. So, that's sort of a weird... What do you think about that? All those things I just said that had no real question. <laughs> <laughs> think about those statements, Gerald. I know. It's, it's, a, it's a good point. Yeah. You know, as far as... It was. What an amazing point I made. <laughs> Go ahead. Even though it was all over the place. <laughs> you know, is art less... Um, do you take it less seriously or is it somehow less artistic hmm. um, if it's widely accepted? You know, if it's accepted by the masses, mm-hmm. does, is that, does that somehow tarnish? Does it stop being art because everybody appreciates right, it? Right. I think I think kids and, and young adults would respect classical music. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's what they want on their iTunes playlist. No. Necessarily. It's true. I, I think if you did a survey, that would be cool to see. A survey of, you know, young adults. Maybe we'll say 14, 14 to 25. Okay. So ages 14 to 25, um, their iTunes library. Mm-hmm. How many of those people 
would have classical music mm-hmm. in their iTunes library. Maybe just like 10 tracks. Wow. Like maybe they have the the soundtrack to the Nutcracker. Right. Maybe they've got that because it's so iconic. Right, and right. And just know it. And there's there's some, some catchy music. Right. I know as, when I was as a kid, you know, we talked about Sam Goody back right. in the day. Yeah, Digital back in the day. Physical. Sam Goody, I remember buying Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Suite mm-hmm. on CD mm-hmm. there because I just like the music, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say I'm better than you because I bought that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a weird kid, uh-huh. you know, who, uh, you know, I didn't even really like the, <laughs> so to explain that, I really, I was into collecting, I was weird as a kid, still weird, I in, I was into collecting Nutcrackers. Really? I, I wasn't really into the ballet, I'm not a fan of the ballet, I don't like the ballet, hmm. um, it's just weird to me, and I totally respect it, totally respect it. Just weird to me. The weird things like their feet and nails getting all beat up, and just the 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 turmoil that ballet dancers' feet go through. Right, sickens me, and uh, it's hard to watch because mm-hmm. I know what's going on. Also, dancers' belts that the guys have to wear to hide their junk. There's a lot of stuff that goes into ballet that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so maybe that's what it is. But I had this weird fascination because my grandmother would always put nutcrackers out for Christmas. Mm-hmm. My mom would put a couple out. And my grandmother had this giant one. It was like a like a three, four foot tall oh, wow. nutcracker. And, you know, we know those traditional soldiers. Actually, my grandmother never called them nutcrackers. She called them soldiers. Really? She'd be like, oh, David loves them soldiers. She love, He loves those soldiers. That's what she would always say. Huh. I was like, nutcrackers? Because, you know, those are not actually made to crack nuts. Right. They, they would break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more traditional nutcrackers didn't really look like that. As yeah. far as I know. They're kind of ornamental, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure there are nutcrackers that have that soldier look uh, with the mouths that that do, that are functional, mm-hmm. but I don't think you get, you don't go to, you know, JCPenney's and pick those up. Right. Um, Christmas sec- The Christmas section of JCPenney's and Sears where I got a lot of nutcrackers when I was younger. Really? But I would collect them. I don't have them anymore. I just was like, what am I doing? What is the purpose of this? This is weird. This is a weird collection to have and that sort of that music of the nutcracker made me think about them mm-hmm. so that's why i like bought the album oh, to, like was like oh yeah okay get some going yeah wow you know uh-huh. it's good stuff <laughs> it's good stuff but i am not uh like invested in classical music outside of that probably sure you know like i know a couple names you know i know you know we all know beethoven and Mm -hmm. and some of the the classic ones because you hear them brought up in in film a lot and and things on the internet where they're just iconic yeah they're like the the titans Mm -hmm. you know and like a lot of what's really funny to me is a lot of people will be like oh that's horrible i hate that music i don't even like the sound of it which is amusing to me that a lot of classical music has unintentionally become iconic in horror. Really? Yeah. How so? Like a lot of the old school classical songs mm-hmm. became like themes used in like Dracula's theme and stuff. Mm. Or actually like old school just classical music that okay. wasn't like intended to be horror music. Right, 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 you know? right, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I might be way maybe I'm way off base, but I'm pretty sure huh. some, you know, iconic classic uh classical music um was later has later sort of been heavily influenced and focused in on um, 
classic horror movies. Mm -hmm. I think. I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Maybe I'm way off. Speaking of classical, getting back to video games finally, uh, you know, almost 30 minutes in, <laughs> classic video games, mm -hmm. you think about classical music, most people, even, even I would have to agree, yeah, it's, they're art. These classic pieces of music are art. Mm -hmm. But I'm on the, the side of, I think, modern music is art as much as I may hate a lot of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of modern music irritates me and feels trashy mm -hmm. a lot of times. But I, I still feel like it's creative. It's still art, the people behind the scenes that helped make it happen, not the big producers that make all the money off of it, but the people who wrote it. And, you know, it's even like popular vocalists. A lot of times they don't write their own lyrics. Right. But you have the people who did. Are they doing it just for the money so they can give it away to this artist? Getting into, not that I want to make this about Lady Gaga at all, but she was, as far as I know, a writer for big pop stars. Hmm. And then was like, you know what? I should just be doing these. And she sort of just sort of got into being a performer of her own music. Mm. I believe that was the transition she made. Hmm. And I could see that being very frustrating where you're right, you're putting words into other people's mouths that you want to be performing. Right. I want I wonder if those people, when they're writing those, they're like, oh, this is such a good lyric. Oh, I'm really passionate about this. And then at the end of the day, oh, that's right. I'm just this is just gonna be sold off to some artist. Right. Does it lose its creative value and artistic value from that person? Interesting. Do they lose their passion in that? I don't know. Yeah. But classic games. So you think about video games that are, are considered classics, mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. um, are those finer or higher forms of art than a modern game that's like a masterpiece? Very recently, Spider-Man came out. The new Marvel Spider-Man came out for PS4. Uh -huh. I did not pre-order it. Um, I've watched a couple clips and I'm like, crap, I should have pre-ordered that. That right. game looks amazing. Because I liked the original uh, Spider-Man games on the PS1. They were really good. Mm -hmm. When they started doing the movie tie-in Spider-Man yes. games, I didn't really care for them, but they're super popular. Mm -hmm. People love those games. Whereas open world and you could explore, it was like GTA Spider-Man was right. sort of like the comment. This new one looks insane. Like it looks amazing, like story-driven. Marvel has involvement classic just like the movies there's a lot of talk about maybe they'll use that format and do maybe a captain america game done in the style of this marvel spider-man game and basically create a i would love to see a marvel cinematic video game universe wow done in the way that this oh. spider-man game is done right we should we should both get it play it throughout the week and then do an episode talking about our experiences with that game that's yeah. something i want to do in the future anyway yeah um, That's we're, a good idea, eventually actually. we're going we're to run out of generic topics eventually. Right. We're going to need something to talk about. I would love to do like game-based, digitally distracted episodes. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Worked on it all night. <laughs> but this, this game looks amazing. And will that be a classic in the future? Because it, everybody's, it's getting like five stars everywhere. It's an amazing experience. The story, the music, the graphics, insane. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to define an interactive medium as art, I think, for some people. I would say video games are art, period. Mm -hmm. But to define, like, what makes it art, I mean, what do you think? Like, when it comes to video games as art, and talking about, like, you classic know, uh, video games. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would agree with that. I, again, I think video games are art. I agree with that. Okay. Um, but, again, I subconsciously put fine in front of that are video games fine art i don't you know would about say no. that right yeah. 
Because mm. um, it is conditional. Yeah. Because video games are, are super conditional art because it's uh, they are based entirely, the continuation of them is based entirely on profit. Right. Because if there was no money to be made on video games, would video games exist? If you couldn't make money, if companies couldn't make money from that, would they exist in the same way? No. No, no. no. Would Absolutely. they exist? I think so. But it'd be super limited. Yes. And they'd be less mainstream. Yes. And thus more artistic. Wow. And mu thus more creatively passionate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just, it's just weird. Like, as I want to say, yes, because they, they mean so much to me. Mm -hmm. Is something artistic because it's a creative work? I feel like the the consumer, the consumer of art, is who defines whether or not something is art, hmm. not the person that made it, you know. And I've said that before about like ownership right. of of artistic and uh, entertainment mediums, where, you know, sure George Lucas made Star Wars, but when he put it out there, the fans and the people who loved it and watched it are the people who own it mm -hmm. as a as an icon. Which is why when he went back and, you know, I'm going to revamp things. Or even E.T. Let's get those guns out of E.T. and put walkie-talkies in their hands. Let's right. digitally change that. Right. You know, you, you've bastardized the art that the people have consumed now. And once they consume it, they take ownership of it. And it's not just yours anymore. Right. Which is, which is awesome from a, like a community standpoint and understanding of art. But it also sucks for the creator. Right. Because they lose control of it. Where it's like, oh no, it's it's put out there. People are interpreting it the way that they want to interpret it. No, that's not what I meant. You're looking at my art wrong. Right. You can't do that. Right. I'm like, oh, we really think that he was doing this with it, and that we really like the way that he interpreted this. Like, what? I wasn't trying to make a statement about that. Mm hmm. You know. It's true. So that that kind of I think gets gets tricky as well. Um, we'll get more into that in a second because it's already time for a game break. Whoa. Oh yes, it's another fan mail unboxing game break. We still have some trinkets from last time uh, where we got to open up all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, that was like Christmas. It was, it was. And uh, it might be Christmas again. Now, I, this isn't directly addressed to Digitally Distracted, but hey, if mail gets sent in, we gotta show it off. Oh, even absolutely. if it's not too digitally, even if it's just to me, we gotta look at it. So let's cut it open with the old bone hunting knife and see what we're gonna get. Oh boy, this was uh, very well taped, so we'll see. I have not previewed what we're about to see. It should be interesting. Here we go, here we go. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Game Dave, I hope you don't have this already. Your channel is hot like hellfire. <laughs> you are a huge Final Fantasy fan, but you don't have many Final Fantasy reviews. Hmm. Do more. Ifrit isn't too much to ask <laughs> ifrit i always said ifrit in final fantasy Ifrit, what an amazing summon this is from don barry chef thanks chef are you a chef or do you go by chef don well well chef chef don donnie chef chefenstein i it's funny you say that uh, i'll throw this out here so suikoden of course I've been working on a retrospective series. Um, work very, very, a lot of progress. I've only done one <laughs> of the five main series games. I, I Sweden Two is is been in the works for a while. Hopefully that'll come out. But I, I wanted to do a similar thing, maybe not as intense, but I did want to revisit and do a series of reviews, talking about each game chronologically, 
and sort of talk about my experiences with it when I first played it and what I really like about it. I wanted to make it more simplistic so I could actually get through all of the games. Mm. I would probably only go one through ten and stop there. But I would like to do, let me know in the comments on this video if you think that would be cool to see a, a game day retrospective series um, on the games FF1 through 10. Each one gets a, its own video. And then I would sort of just, you know, here's five things I love about this Final Fantasy, five things I don't, and then my personal experiences with it and my take on it. Not full in-depth reviews, just sort of a fun sort of retrospective on the games. Sure. Let me know if you'd like that. But So hopefully, Chef Don, that will happen. <laughs> okay. So we've got, hopefully I don't have this already, I, he says. Oh, man. I don't have this. And I totally get the card now. It's freaking Ifrit. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Don, chef, chef Don. <laughs> or here it says, here it says Gabe. So Gabe, Don, and chef, all of you. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. I have not this one, but Gerald, you can see I do have two of them. Yes. I have Odin and I have the Iron Giant. This is the Final Fantasy VIII Ifrit Guardian Force with freaking Tonberry. I love Tonberry. I love Tonberry is my number two right after Cactuar. Cactuar, my favorite Final Fantasy monster of all time, followed shortly behind by Tonberry. I didn't know Tonberry came with Ifrit. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. So at too many games, at too many games this year, uh, this summer, I was, uh, you know, shop. I didn't really buy anything this year, but I was walking around and there was a guy who had a bunch of the Final Fantasy figures from the games, including FF8 ones. Um, they had Siren and Shiva, I think, and a couple of the other ones. And I almost bought them. And then I looked closer and realized that they were pre-owned. They had been opened, and then they taped these back together oh, onto the card. Wow. I was like, ah, oh, I just can't. With action figures, I just got to have them sealed. This is so awesome. I'm I'm speechless, Gerald. Yeah, I can tell. This is so good. I'm going to display this right over there with the other ones. This is so awesome. Thank you so much. Goodness gracious. What? I'm giddy, Gerald. I, I can tell. I'm so giddy. I just want to make sure. I didn't want to... What what a fun game break. Thank you so much, Chef. You the man. Ifrit. 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 <laughs> There's three ways to say it. I, I always said Ifrit as a kid. Mm -hmm. Logically, it would be Ifrit mm -hmm. if you look at just the Japanese. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would you say? I'd say Ifrit. Ifrit? Mm -hmm. I, you're probably right then. <laughs> I always said Ifrit. But either way, thanks, Chef. And that's going to do it for this game break. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Man, I'm excited. I'm so, what are we talking about? Art? Right. Now, this is a piece of art right here. Man. Hopefully, that's not covering our faces. That'll be good. Deal with it. It's too good to, to not display. Right. So, back to it. Talking about video games. Are they art? Really, we're talking about what is art. Um, sort of that in that first half. But um, we started getting into uh, classics. And I want to talk more about what, what makes a great painting a work of art. Hmm. What is it about it that makes it a work of art? Because I want to start there and then cross that over to gaming. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's just one thing. I think that's you know. Give me a couple. Okay, so Give it could me a be um, commentary. What? What? You know? What are they? What's the piece saying about either the content? Or... Okay, so it's not just I really want to paint a cool looking field. You think there's got to be more like behind? Like, well, this field represents something. I mean, it could. 
It doesn't have to, mm -hmm. you know? Because okay. Bob Ross, you know, beloved by the internet, oh. um, I wouldn't say, you know, each episode, he's done so many episodes, so mm -hmm. many of his uh, basically, uh, <laughs> what do you... Uh, paintings with with barely even using a brush mm -hmm. he uses the what do you call it the metal knife thing the palette palette mm -hmm. is that what it's called uh, I believe so it's uh to me it just looks like the thing that I spackle with yeah it's uh shoot what do they, what do they call that um because he almost like cuts the paint yeah. yeah 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 it's like a scraper um the it's not I'm having a brain freeze right now <laughs> a brain freeze I smell it it's a brain fart ah uh, it's a brain fart. I can it. smell it yeah I don't know what that thing's called. Um, <laughs> I keep thinking it's a spackle. I no, I thought so. I'm pretty sure it's a palette knife. <laughs> a palette knife. It sounds legit to me. Um, but he made so many paintings on that show, and each one was not, you know, wasn't trying to make a statement. Right. Obviously, he just wanted to make a really cool, you know, na nature um, background. Right. In a way. Uh. So okay. So maybe that's part of it that makes it an art form that the the artist is trying to make some statement about. Something maybe that mm -hmm. could be part of it. What else do you think makes a painting a piece of art? I think technique. Okay. You know, whether that's color theory, whether that's um, the actual like strokes of the painting, you know. So the skill involved, right, in creating it, right, which is true because an artist generally you would assume has some background in art or some skill, mm -hmm. but there are also people who have that natural talent. They're naturally gifted right. and can just create. Um, illustrations or paintings without that background. Right. Um, do you think that's something you can notice someone who is trained doing something and someone who's naturally gifted? Can you still, do you think you could point out the differences? Like, oh, you can see here that they're not trained in it because of this, right. ha this hatchwork here or something. Right. Is that something you can notice? I am not a connoisseur of art. I'm right. not a museum goer. Right. So it's not something I'm informed. It intrigues me a lot. But I wouldn't even know. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. Like, that, that'd that be me. The few times we went to one, like, in high school or right. college, we had to go to, we had to do, um, I took an art history class in mm -hmm. college, and one of the requirements was you had to attend a certain number of museums or artistic events. Mm -hmm. um, the first one, I did go to an art museum, and I was like, all right, all right, that's a cool sculpture. That mm -hmm. looks like a butt to me. Mm -hmm. That also looks like a butt. I saw a lot of butts. Mm -hmm. A lot of things look like butts to me or phallic. Is that hmm. weird? Maybe that's me. I think it might be you. <laughs> oh, that's scary. That's not good. But then I found out that uh, they counted music performances as art. Oh. So I ended up going to a couple jazz concerts. Nice. Nailed it. Because I love jazz. Yeah. Big fan of jazz. Sorry. I got off topic there. But museum art is not something I ever properly appreciated, as I should. Mm -hmm. It's just something I was like, oh, that looks nice, but I don't know why it looks cool or mm -hmm. why is this displayed? Mm -hmm. Is it the history of who made it? Right. Is it the actual piece itself? Because sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I know this. This doesn't look too crazy, but this was painted by this guy. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so because he painted it, it's art. Hmm. Because this game developer made this game, it's art. Hmm. Because Hironobu Sakaguchi made that game, it's good. It's a good RPG. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good. I don't know. It's a lot of. This is a lot of just, uh, just spewing. For the sake of spewing, because like just to get it all out, because it's something that is indefinable. Right. Like our game's art, it's going to vary for everybody. Mm -hmm. I would say yes. You would say Sometimes. Not, if, not if you put that fine tag on there. Right, right, right. And there are certainly games that are strictly cash grabs. Right, yes. There are many cash grab games that, that exist 
I think where there there was no passion or there was no direction where they're like, all right, I'm just going to use this game making template. I'm going to uh, have this thing where balls bounce around and to uh, refresh the game to play it again, you have to spend a dollar mm-hmm. and I'm going to get it out there and I want to just make money with it. Mm-hmm. That exists for mm-hmm. sure. But when it's a game company that makes tons of money and they spend millions of dollars on these games, like the Spider-Man game, of course, millions of dollars had to go into that. Right. I would assume. <laughs> Tens of millions of dollars for sure. It's like a movie budget. Wow. At that point, you know? And yeah. that's crazy to think going back. And I'm sure in the SNES days that some of those games cost tons of money to create. They had to. Because mm-hmm. there's so many parts. And it was probably harder to make games back then i would say just like because the software and development kits and things that we have now are probably easier to use compared to back then right so it probably was harder to make games back then so maybe maybe the classic games are a little more closer to fine art because you really had to have a passion for some of those games for them to even happen Mm -hmm. especially when you talk about the music to make really good video game music before we had CD media audio. Like David, I went to, uh, when I was at the last MAGFest I attended, mm-hmm. uh, I went with my good buddies Corey and Try to, or th- I, think, I think Corey was there, but either way, the My Life and Gaming Boys, uh, friends of the show, we went to David Wise, um, he did a panel. David Wise is a, a classic video game composer. He's made so much amazing music. Uh, he's really known for his time when he worked with Rare. Uh, he wrote uh, the Donkey Kong Country mm. soundtracks. Amazing music. And, I, and somebody asked a question, something like, would you like to go back and create uh, music again using the Super Nintendo system the way that you did for Super Nintendo? And he was like, absolutely not. It was horrible. I hated it. Wow. Because it was so difficult to mm-hmm. write music in this sort of program format. It's mm-hmm. not like he could go to his keyboard right. and jam out some synths and then, you know, compre- convert it. Yeah, yeah, convert it or compress it and then just put it in the game. Like he had to create like the the chip the chip tune bits and everything and like program it. It was it was more like programming mm-hmm. than composing. So he would have an idea of what he wanted it to sound like and then he had to figure out a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think if he wasn't pa- yeah, he was getting paid, but if he wasn't passionate about it, would he would have he have created the amazing tracks that he made? Mm-hmm. No. That's, I think, pretty decl- definitely no. Mm-hmm. There's no way he could have pulled that off mm-hmm. if he didn't care enough about the music and the work. Mm-hmm. So I think work can become art, for sure. Uh, I mean, even something as simple as this, like the person that sculpted this action figure right. obviously cared. And you can tell when an action figure that's supposed to be based on something, the person was just like, well, let's just, let's just get it done. We'll get it close enough and just get it out there so we can start selling it. Yep. As opposed to someone who takes the time to like put the effort into designing i mean but i mean these are these are kotobukiya uh, um art <laughs> artistic pieces like they make some amazing stuff for sure they've been around a long time it's it's like that because something was easy to make is it not art now hmm. because something was difficult to make is it more artistic i'm going to that same right thing when it comes to uh now the the challenge or difficulty of making something does that affect it you know because yeah. david wise had to he had to bust his butt to make the stuff he did, which right. is all almost always considered really good. I mean, he goes back, he uh, did music for uh, freaking RC Pro-Am and Cobra Triangle, which mm. are you know some of my favorite games on the NES, and the music is really catchy. It has this unique sound. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's David Wise. But th- to sort of 
come to try to come to a conclusion. Video games as art. If you if you take away all of the requirements to get a game made and get it out so people can actually enjoy it, I don't know if people ever just make art that's just for themselves anymore. Like if I if you make something, if you make a drawing or something, even if you just share it with your parents. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going back to thinking about when I got my first camera and I was making little dumb movies with my action figures. Right. You know, I, I would get it done. It's not like, oh, I recorded it and I just put it in my desk. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, mom, dad, you got to watch this. And they're like, all right. Well, good. Good for you. Yep. It's like, what is he? What is this? What is he? Why is he showing this? So boring. We got to get out of here. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, even then I wanted to show it to people. I wanted to share it. So maybe putting eyes on it does make it art, <laughs> you know, because you want to, it's so tough. It is. To define. I'm I'm sure and I'm hopeful that the comment section this is this is really just a spark mm-hmm. for the comment section to really get deep into comment this discussion. Comment section really good at yeah yeah they think of things you guys think of things that like the comment that really helped push this to being a topic for this mm-hmm. week that I would love to see and I do I mean I'm not I don't show up in the comments very much but I'm absolutely reading those comments because before we shoot I go through and I read every comment to look for Q&A and things like that before we do an episode. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd love to see your discussions on this about art. And and specifically, I know we didn't touch on it enough, but that's okay. We have a broad, broad brush that we can paint here. It's digitally distracted. It's not just games, but games are the focus in a way. Make sure uh, you talk about that in the comments because I really want to see some cool discussions about what your thoughts are on what makes a video game art. Is it the same type of art as like a classical music track that does the interactivity of a video game change the way it can be perceived as art right because that's the thing with a painting the person doesn't the artist doesn't paint the painting put it in the museum and then when you show up you interact with it right the only way you can interact with a piece of art like that is by looking at it Mm -hmm. and how you interpret it that's Mm -hmm. the interaction right whereas the way you play a game can in a way change the experience that maybe the artist that created the game intended. Hmm. And there's different levels to a video game because there are different forms of art within a video game. You have the music. That's a whole art piece in itself. I mean, I have game soundtracks. I sometimes will just listen to the game soundtrack and play the game mm-hmm. and experience the art in that way. Then you have the graphics, like the visuals, which are like digital paintings in them in themselves. Right digital sculpture in these 3D models that could create because some of them are amazing looking. We're getting closer and closer to photorealism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a scary way. I was looking at a clip from the Spider-Man game, going back to that, and that, I was like, I'm going to probably buy that after this show is over, over. <laughs> because uh, it's so visually impressive. I was watching some PS4 Pro footage of, of Spider-Man and, and Doc Ock going at it, and it was like it was raining, and you were seeing like the rain like trickle over their faces, and it was like, whew, it's getting close to photorealism, mm-hmm. and the way it just like goes right into the action from the cutscene. Oh wow! It's almost seamless. I mean, there's still some pre-rendered stuff, but it just it feels so much more seamless than Final Fantasy VII, where you're in the game and then it cuts to a cutscene and it goes back to the blocky nature of it. Right, right. Um, just that seamless nature of it, like you're watching, and that's the other aspect of artistic nature of games, it, like a movie. So you have the story is art, so the writing, 
the the filmic cinematic aspect of modern games, the music, the the visuals, a lot of components. It's basically taking all forms of what could be fine art and combining it into one a crazy interactive experience. It has to be art. Games have to be art. Fine art, I don't know because right. I oh I'm absolutely finicky yeah, on yeah. what fine art really means. Yeah, I, I would agree. The games are art, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll say they're art. Are they fine art? Are they classical art in the sense of like classical music? I don't know. We'll leave that to the comments because it's time for a little Q&A. We always got to do a little Q&A from the comments. I got a couple. Got a couple here that we're going to take a look at. Um, the first one seems to be directed at me. This is from Justin Johnson on Twitter, using that hashtag, I hope. Hey, Game Dave, love the Digitally Distracted series. I believe I'm on episode nine. Hopefully you've made more progress at this point. In one of the older episodes, you mentioned a web series that you used to watch. I believe it was a vlog series. By chance, would you know the name of the series? I think that goes back to our uh, uh, life before the internet. Mm. I talked about websites mm -hmm. and dead websites and stuff. Um, I assume that show uh, was The Show with Zay Frank. I think that was the show that I was referencing. It was um, one of the earliest, I guess, daily vlogs out there before vlogging was a thing. So that's what it was. Zay Frank's The Show, which I think you can still find it archived somewhere. It's a little tricky to find. Uh, he did The Show with Zay Frank, and then later he did sort of a callback show called A Show with Zay Frank, which was not as regular. Because his original The Show was every day, Monday through Friday, for an entire year. And he's like, when we get to that year, that's it. Mm -hmm. It's over. And unlike everybody else on YouTube and whatever video platform where it's like, the daily vlog, all daily vlogs are eventually going to come to an end. No, no, no. Because it gets super successful and fruitful, and they're just, they just run it into the ground mm -hmm. like a sitcom that won't give up, mm -hmm. that won't die. Whereas he was like, no. He's like, even though it is probably as popular as it's ever been, I'm stopping on this day. And he did. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's over. That's crazy. So sometimes it's good for things to stop. Right. And move on and become, you know, move on to something else. Sometimes that's good. So what I'm saying is this is the last episode of Digitally Distracted. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us on these, what, uh, 15 episodes. So I always said, 15, that's it. <laughs> I always, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not there yet. So uh, there you go, Justin. Hopefully that answers your question. I believe that's what it was. Next one we have from whoo, Mr. Bananis. Mr. Bananis said, question for the next podcast. This is interesting. How do you find retro gaming friends? Hmm. I'm 16, and maybe this adds to my difficulty with finding people who also appreciate this hobby. How have you met your retro gaming buds? So I'll start. For me, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously I'm older, so I grew up with the retro. To me, it was new back then. Mm -hmm. um, the, the few people that I grew up with, I had the benefit of, you know, being able to share retro gaming with them as we grew up. Um, my good buddy Steven, who I've mentioned on the show, who unfortunately passed away, he and I probably kept up the most with those retro games, uh, mostly RPGs. That was our big thing. We would talk about RPGs and play old games well past their prime. Um, but now, really, like in the real world, my offline life, very few people... Um, I recently met uh, met a, a coworker's husband. A coworker's husband found out he was uh, very interested in retro games. Uh, he came over not too long ago, and we we played some old school games. It's like, oh my gosh, I totally remember this. So, 
it's sort of the weirdest places you might, mm-hmm. you know, find. But that's somebody who grew up with this stuff. Right. It's difficult if you're younger now. Yeah. That's a yeah. That's a hard call. Yeah, I think I think the internet is a major thing. Conventions are huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Retro World Expo, too many games. Like there, there's conventions for these hobbies, and it's certainly a community where you can meet people. And for me, people that I discuss retro games with and and get to continue uh being passionate about the hobby with are people i've met through the game dave channel mm-hmm. um you know a lot of my good for cory and try uh 8-bit duke um johnny millennium like a lot of these fellow youtubers and and people who do video content online about retro gaming and gaming in general these are people that i've made real friendships with and have gotten to continue uh, maintaining this interaction with people about gaming that I otherwise probably wouldn't have. I probably would have just grown out of it if I mm. didn't have this community. Like, it's something I would have still done, but I wouldn't have people to talk about it with, so it would feel so isolated. Right, yep. And the isolation aspect of it would probably make it more difficult for me to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Whereas finding, oh, there's other people who still care about this stuff makes me care about it more. Yep. Um, and then with the Japanese import stuff, discovering things I didn't know that would have existed when I was playing these games on the other over the seas and uh, Jimmy Hoppa from Import Gaming for the Win, great friend who who's opened my eyes to more import stuff and we share a lot of similar interests, especially with uh, our love of Suikoden and and obviously the Famicom. Um, check his channel out; he's got some crazy in-depth import gaming reviews. Import Gaming FTW for the Win—that's his channel. Make sure to check him out. Yeah, I mean, being 16, I'd say uh, conventions. Um, interacting online, getting getting linked into communities, uh, you know, game the Game Dave community is one that certainly it's has true. a passion for retro games. You know, just just latching onto those communities online is really the last vestige, especially for someone who's younger, who you know might be in high school. Not a lot of kids in high school are probably picking up Super Nintendos on eBay and mm. playing playing games on them. So, I mean, but maybe not. I mean, you are right. You're the you got to keep it alive, right? So it's up to you. It's up to you, Mr. Bananis. <laughs> this is your mission. This is your superhero calls, Mr. Bananis. I hope that's your superhero name, Mr. Bananis. When you're playing uh, the Fate Supers campaign. Right. That'll be my next <laughs> that'll be my next character for you, Gerald. Uh, Mr. Bananis. <laughs> I love it. He can just turn into a banana. Like I that's love it. all he does. Yep. <laughs> Nutrition at any moment. So that's gonna do it for the show. Uh, as you, I've already stated. You can check out the show in an audio format. Look up on your podcast platform of choice. You will find Digitally Distracted. They post the same day as the video episodes, so you're not going to get left behind. Don't worry. You can listen to it, and you can watch it. Either way helps. Either way helps the show. And if there's a topic that you want to hear discussed on the show or you have a question for us to answer... You can leave it on this video as a comment. You can leave it as a comment on the podcast. You can also find me on Twitter. Use the hashtag digitally distracted to help me find your question, comment, or topic. And, you know, you can always join the Discord or you can support the show on Patreon. Turn this art into work (laughs) with Patreon. Uh, So I'm Game Dave. I'm Gerald. Thanks for getting digitally distracted with us.